Welcome to my podcast, Katie's Journey. I'm your host, Kaylee Dwyer, aka KD. This show is designed for the lifelong learner, the curious brain, and the person who's probably always asking why. You'll be joining me on my journey as I meet new people, try new things, and gain the valuable insights of others as I explore my professional career. So join me on this journey if you're interested in doing the same. Welcome to Katie's Journey. We missed a week, but we are back and in action with my dear friend, Nick Woodman, who is going to be unpacking his journey in 30 today for episode number three. So just a quick introduction of Nick. Not only is he my friend, but he's also a CrossFit coach at Prime Movement and Performance, Utica College football legend. If you go there, then you will absolutely hear his name if you're walking through the athletic department. Also, Nick has some pretty decent stats to his name as a top 25 finisher in the NAL championship, bringing home the title to his then team, the Jacksonville Sharks. So, Nick, I want to start off with maybe some three tips that you have that you wish you knew before starting your journey. So three tips <laughs> that I wish I knew before starting my journey. So we'll we'll say the journey starts sophomore year of high school because that's when I first started playing football. I would say the biggest biggest thing would be that the weight room is your best friend because I did not start lifting weights seriously until my freshman year of college uh, when I got into college and I was there on the first day. Didn't even take summer lifting. right way because didn't think I needed to do that was rudely rudely awakened yeah so the first one would be to take the weight room seriously second one uh, would be to uh, take school seriously I figure the weight room and the school kind of go you know hand in hand a little bit but also they're they're very different Um, I feel like my experience whether it would have been in school or you know high school because I went to Proctor uh, or if I still you know went to Utica College would have been better. I think that I I didn't slack, but I didn't do, you know, more than the, the bare minimum when I was in high school because you didn't really need to um, go above and beyond if you weren't in like an AP level class. So I, I would say my second one would be to take school seriously to really set me up for college. Uh, so going into it, um, I wasn't smacked in the face like I was smacked in the face, just like I was on the first day of lifting. And then I would probably say uh, the third one, man, there's a lot, but I'd probably say the third one would just be to be true to myself and to not to not try to appeal to other people. Like when I was younger, um, I tried to do what the cool kids wanted to do and like fit in with the cool kids. And, and you know, there's, there's a lot of stories with that, but you know, just staying true to to the video game, playing sports, loving, friend, hanging out with all the time, kid, and just, you know, not trying to do the most. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think that's huge for pretty much anybody. And it's funny that you don't really notice that stuff until you actually leave college. And you're just like, wow, I wish I was more prepared going into that. And hindsight's 2020 and now luckily for anyone listening is able to whether they're going into their career uh, their college career or a new career or just something new in general they have 
these insights as far as, you know, you should be doing your best in everything, even though there might not be that like driving factor that makes it extra important at that time. But when it all comes down to it at the end of the day, everything that you're doing and putting into yourself and your life plays a major role, whatever that looks like. And what you said, appealing to other people too, is another major battle that people do their entire life. And you don't, some people either don't recognize that or it takes them years and years and years into adulthood or even when they have kids to finally realize that they're being true to themselves and how to live their own life on their terms rather than everyone else's. So great top three tips, um, definitely things that people can take away and apply to their own life because they're relevant and they're right in front of us. But um I'm really curious because you got a lot of things going on. Every time I see you, you're going from place to place, um, your schedule's packed, and there's just a lot. So I'm most curious to know, like, unpacking your journey, like, where'd you start? Where are you now? And where do you want to go? What's the finish line? Where I started. So like I said, you know, a couple minutes ago, I started uh, football in 10th grade. Uh, wasn't originally was not very into football by any means. Uh, I tried back when I was in like seventh grade. But when I was in seventh grade, I was I looked like I was in high school. So the coaches like put me up against kids who were like seniors and juniors in high school. And I got absolutely obliterated. Like I stood no chance. And uh, that to me was like, yep, I'm good. I'm done. I don't want to play football anymore. And then it took uh, some heavy convincing from um, my, my good friends at the time to convince me to get back into football. And it was, it was like, <laughs> I don't know. It was like playing football at that point was, was honestly one of the greatest feelings, uh, and still is, um, one of the greatest feelings ever, um, to put on the helmet and shoulder pads and, you know, get to, get to play the game and, um, taking it from there, going into like my senior year of high school, um, didn't know like college football was a thing still really new to the game <clears throat> and from what like I understood like kids who were going to go somewhere with with college football they were going to they were getting recruited their junior year like they were having offers you know and they knew that they were going to go play and I was totally okay with not playing college football because I had a whole uh, idea that I was going to go through the BOCI system become a nurse, do the the nursing track, and I was going to save lives, like, every day. Like, that was my goal. You know what I'm saying? Like, some Grey's Anatomy shit, but without the drama, right? So, <laughs> so um, when the senior year had ended, and, like, college coaches started coming, and they were like, oh, like, we want you to come play for us in the center. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, what? I'm like, what? What is what is Division three college football? Like, what? what is that? And... Through that process of recruiting, I figured out a lot about myself, and it also helped, like, my mom also figure out what the hell college is as well in terms of, like, dealing from the athletic side. Because, like, my mom went to UC, so college wasn't, like, a um, like a foreign thing, but from the athletic side, it was it was really different. So, so realizing that we didn't have to pay for submitting, like submitting applications was like huge. Cause we thought the applications were going to be like 50 bucks a piece. And we was like, Oh, like uh, all these colleges were coming and they were like, Oh, we want you to apply, apply, apply. And it was just like, like, how the hell are we going to pay for all these things? And they're like, Oh no, like we, we, you get, you get, yeah, you get to do it for free. You get to do it for free. 
I was like, oh, it's so free, it's for me. So I was like, you know, whatever, like, you know, shipping myself out, you know, selling my trains and stuff like that. And that process was hard because that was the first time I really had to make like a really, really big decision in my life that was going to like impact my future. Because I was going to decide where I was going to spend my next four years and also where I was going to get my education and like how I was going to do it. You know, going through that process was really fun. And being wanted was also really fun as well. But then also coming to the realization that the schools that were recruiting me didn't accept the BOCES credit. So I now had to decide if I wanted to do college football or if I wanted to go and save lives and be a nurse like Grey's Anatomy, right? So that also made the choice that much harder. Now, looking back at it now, I don't have a regret because I wouldn't be the guy I am now. I wouldn't be where I am. I don't know where I would be, honestly. I don't even know if I would be a nurse. I don't know. But looking back at it now, I'm glad I was able to go through that little bit of adversity in a positive way, because then that also allowed me to be prepared for making hard decisions like later, even if they weren't as like uh, cataclysmic as that might have been. At that time, that was like one of the biggest decisions. So I was like, I was sweating. I was nervous. And I also didn't want to disappoint a coach, disappoint a coach at all either. Just going to say like that process of like just being having the feeling of so many people wanting you, it kind of clouds judgment for a little bit of like needing to figure out and decide, okay, wants versus where's your life going and what best aligns with you instead of just like looking at the shiny penny and wanting to go to the shiny penny. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And that was, and that, that was, that's, that's funny that you said it that way because um, going to some of the colleges, like I went on a, a recruiting visit to, um, to St. John Fisher and they were like, that's what they were. Like they were like the shining penny at that point. And they were like asking me like what other schools were like recruiting me and I and I had said, you know, I was naming them off and stuff. And then when I'd mentioned Utica, they were like, oh, Utica, why would you want to go there? And they spent probably like five minutes, just like probably three or four coaches just dogging Utica. And I was just like, I was like, why don't you guys like Utica so much? And then it also kind of made me want to figure out more about Utica. So like it was almost like a, a negative recruiting tool for them because it pushed me closer to Utica because I was like, well, why don't they like the place of this and a third? So, you know, I went on my recruiting visit to Utica, fell in love, and um, that was, it, was, it was relatively uh, easy um, of a decision to go to Utica uh, because of the coaching staff. And luckily, like, they're still there. And um, being able to coach with them is really special because I got to see not only the development in me as, like, a, an adult, like, going from a high schooler to now being a grown-ass man, to also me being able to see the process from – being a player to now being on the backside and getting and spend that time um, with them, you know, you know, going to my freshman year, I'll fast forward a little bit because these stories are freaking long. Um, so fast forward to my freshman year, great time, big eye opener uh, in terms of the weight room and then school and stuff like that. Then spring semester comes. So this is spring 2013. My lung collapse collapses and I don't know it. Uh, I go about three days without uh, going to the doctor because I thought I just pulled the muscle. Yeah, I, I thought I pulled the muscle and, and it hurt like really, really bad. So <clears throat> I've pulled muscles before and that's kind of what it felt like. So I was like, all right, whatever. You know, I came home, told my parents, they're like, yeah, you know, just put some ice on it. I'm nice. Put some heat on it and um, take some ibuprofen and we'll see how you feel tomorrow. Woke up the next morning. I felt like actual 
dog crap. Went to uh, football lifting, did fine, did great, like lifted the most I ever lifted, tested the best. Felt totally fine doing the whole process of testing. <clears throat> After testing was over, it like the feeling came back and I felt like I really couldn't breathe. It hurt really bad. Um, so the next day comes, same deal, wake up, go to running, conditioning stuff, same deal, run, best I ever ran, like never ran that good in my life. And same deal. Uh, and the conditioning comes, boom, hurts really bad. So the third day comes, wake up, go to lifting, workout, feel really crappy. I tell my dad, I'm like, yeah, man, like I still don't feel really good. So we go to the hospital. Uh, we go to, well, actually we go to Slocum. Slocum takes the EKG. Lady comes back and she's like, um, yeah, so I called St. Luke's and they're getting ready for you because your lungs collapsed. Oh, wow. And I was like, like my lung has collapsed. And I was like, like what? And she was like, yeah, if you would have went to bed um, tonight, like you would have died. And I was like, oh, yeah, word, no big deal. Okay, would have died. Yeah, regular stuff. So I'm still in like disbelief. Like I, I still don't believe it. So go over to St. Luke's, um, which luckily is right across the street because it's right across the street from the school and Slocum. Um, so get there. There was like a line and they looked at me and they were like, are you Nick? And I was like, yeah. And they literally like just like Grey's Anatomy style super dramatic, pushed everybody to the side. And they were like, we need you to come right now. Cause you, and I was like, what? So they like literally put a strap, the bracelet on me, threw me in this room. And they were like a whole process to me. And I was like, yo, this is really crazy. So within probably 15 minutes of me getting in there, I had a chest tube inside of my body. They ended up actually telling me, they were like, yeah, you're going to be the first person to ever have this type of uh this type of surgery and i was like what i was like a little like little mini superstar in the hospital because nobody else has had it and i had probably like six or seven nurses come and like look at it and stuff like that because they were you know taking pictures and shit and then um they're like yeah so uh like a couple hours went by and they're like okay so this isn't working the way we wanted it to we got to do the real thing so i was like okay so they go, they do it. I got a, I got a chest tube inside of my chest, curved, like like Captain Hook's hook. Not a good feeling. Yeah, so I was in the hospital for pretty much all spring break because it happened around that time. And that's when I really realized that I want to do this football stuff for real. And I really want to take it really seriously. And that was like my wake-up call for my life because that's when I started taking school seriously. And that's when I really, I really grinded like I never did before for anything. Like, I love video games. The grind that I put into football was was nothing. Like, it, it, like video games came didn't even come close. Like, I put so much time and effort into working out, getting conditioned, practicing my, my specific position, and just doing everything that I could. I was eating. I had McDonald's every single day for three months. Because they told me that I needed to gain weight because why my lung collapsed was because I was too skinny. So my rib and my lung rubbed against each other and it just snapped. So they were like, if you don't want this to happen again, you need to gain weight. And I was like, that's all you had to say. So I probably gained in that, in that three months, once school ended, I probably gained about a solid 20 pounds of just fat, like big boy, big boy fat. Like I was run for three months and I ate McDonald's every single day for lunch every single day and I drank and I actually 
crazy enough, I made myself lactose intolerant as well because I drank a, a gallon every other day, a gallon of milk every other day. So that kind of set the tone for for everything. Like like that that fall semester, school was never the same. Like school, I took way more serious. It helped that I got a, another coach, you know, because the, my old position coach had had uh, taken a different position. And we had gotten a new guy and, and he ended up being one of still to this day, like one of my biggest mentors and people that I wanted to impress and, and make proud of me and stuff like that. And um, he really helped me out, like through a lot of like talks and a lot of just helping me figure out how to study and and not only like study the 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 school stuff, but also the football stuff and learn how to really play the game for real. So so sophomore year was like was like the first year I really like took things as serious as I needed to. And it showed like my classroom got better. I played better on the football field. I didn't play as good as I wanted to. And that, that I think needed to happen as well, because that also helped me figure out, Hey, like you can do the school stuff. Now let's do this football stuff. <laughs> and that drive from laying in the hospital bed, honestly still carries me like through like to the, like to this day. So junior and senior year, I do really good. I I was the 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 one of the best players in the conference. My goals and desires were to be the best player on the team and in the conference and and do the best that I could so that the team could succeed um, and get the recognition that like it, it deserves and stuff. Because you know I, I can't speak for any other program in the Empire, but I don't know. I don't know many other dudes who really grind as hard as the guys at Utica. And I say that like as a player, not as like a coach, um, because the preparation and the time and the effort that was put in, like to do the things that we did it. I don't know. I still haven't been around guys who, who give a shit about something as hard as they do, you know? Yeah. And a lot of people don't have that background that you do either, as far as being in a hospital bed and having facing death, basically. And needing to completely change your life after that. And like whether it be a hard time in your life or even a hard workout, just comparing it to the absolute worst that could happen to you, nothing compares. It just can't. So I think that driver like is I was going to ask you, how do you stay focused? But I think that driver alone for you is, would you say a major, a major part of how you stay focused on these goals and and what keeps, keeps you going every day? Absolutely. (laughs) Like it's in, and we like, we talk about um, like, even at the gym, like we'll talk about habits and stuff like that. And it's like, it's people always ask me like, Oh, like how long did it take you to get, you know, as good as you are and like, Oh, this and a third. And it's like, it it's, it's taken a lot. And I tell people too, I'm like, I don't want what I went through for you to have to go through that or like some type of variation of it. Like I wouldn't wish a collapse lung on anybody. Like that is not a good time. And I, I don't want anybody to have to go through something like that to waken, to like awake whatever is inside of them to drive their desires. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you go, you go back to like, you go back to that time and it's like, like what, what's your why? And like, I didn't have a why before my lung collapsed. And it was like, my collapsing lung gave me a why, like I had a desire to be the best. And it took that lung collapsing to really drive that for me, because it showed me what I have to do for it. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, that's still today, like what, 
carries me in, in my workouts, like what carries me in my diet, what carries me in my like day-to-day activities, um, and also has been helping me filter things in and out of my life, whether it's things that like I want to do or things I don't want to do or things that I have to do to get to where I want to be, you know, and that's still something that I'm, I'm figuring out myself. Like I'm 26 and I have to still remind myself every day that like, I'm still, I'm not ancient. Like I'm not an old individual. You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> what's crazy is I, I was talking about this the other day. I forgot what I was talking to. And, uh, and I, and we were talking about how crazy it is that back when we were in high school, we had created these timelines in our minds that, Hey, by the age of like 25, I'm going to be married. I'm going to have a couple kids. I'm going to have, I'm going to have a 401k. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. And it's like now, like I'm 26 and it's, I'm going to be 27 in August and I don't have any of that. But then at the same time too, I'm not, I'm not upset that I don't have that because I then realized that the things that I've been through in my life are setting me up for whatever I'm supposed to have. Exactly. I I totally align with that, especially like on the basis of, yeah, we had timelines, we wrote stuff down. Honestly, we probably had timelines before 2020 of what 2020 would look like. And we all know what happened there. It just went to crap. So I think realizing that you need to shift with how your life is just going and what path you're taking, as long as you're making conscious decisions for yourself, it's going to take you in a positive place of where you want to be at. Um, something that I think is super important too, is just having those keystone goals. Like you're involved in a lot of things right now that really align with who you are as a person. And like, you you just got involved with knife hand nutrition. You're still, you're, you're leaving in April. So there's a lot of things that you're doing that align with who you want to be and who you want Nick Woodwin to be, because it really, it really depends on who you put yourself around, what activities that you're doing, and how that really all leads up to that one goal. And I'm sure you have that that picturesque picturesque goal of what you want to look like in in 50 years. But what does that look like to you? What's that What's that career that is just sitting at the top? The career? I don't I don't know if I fully know what the career is, but I know that whatever whatever it is is I'm gonna be happy. And I know that whatever it is, I'm going to be able to leave an impression for whoever comes after me. And I hope that through that career, um, I've helped and I've, you know, and I've touched and I've um, guided as many people as I could, because honestly, like, that's all I really want. And and I want to be able to help. I want to be able to help people like I've been helped on my way up. Like I want to be that mentor for somebody. I want to be that coach for somebody. Like I want to be, I want to be somebody that's, I want to be that person that somebody can depend on. Right. And I don't know what the future holds in terms of stuff like that. I can only really tell you what the next couple months is going to hold. And honestly, what I'm going to do tomorrow. But besides for that, I try not to think super deep into that, like, like 20 year goals and 30 year goals and stuff like that. I just know that the decisions that I make now are going to lead me to wherever I'm supposed to be. Because when I do that and I don't think so deep down the road, I find myself a lot less stressed out if things don't go that way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, something that I kind of want to talk a little bit further about as far as stress 
and managing all of this. Of course, you love football. Of course, um, everything that you're doing are things that you hold of high value in your life. But how do you keep those at a manageable level to the point where you're not ending up hating them at the end of the day? It's a good question. Um, I'd probably say balance. So I do get, uh, and I found this out, you know, through my Zodiac sign. And I also found this out through an, uh, an assessment that we did as a coaching staff for UC that I will take other people's problems on or other people's assignments and different things like that and add them onto my plate. And what that'll do is that'll just compound stress and compound extra thoughts onto my plate when it's not something that I should be concerned with, you know? Um, so being able to manage that and not do that as much helps with my stress levels. And there have been times where I, I have been stressed to the point of just not wanting to do anything, just wanting to just lay in my bed and just lay there. You got to have days like that, you know, a reset. I'm also curious too, like how, because I have a similar issue taking on other people's issues or letting them kind of get into your headspace where they really don't have a seat at the table, but how do you kind of shut that down and, and manage other people's stress to keep your head clear? Is there a process that you go, is there a process or, or thought process that you go through to kind of recognize that that's happening and, and shut it down in the, in the meantime? I, I would say, I would say yes. And I don't fully know if it's like a foolproof <laughs> process or anything like that. But if people come to me, uh, let's say like in the gym, if people come to me and they're like, oh, Nick, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to look like this. I want to look like that. My first question is like, what are the, what are the steps that you're taking to get there? Right. Because that's the, that's the question you should be asking yourself. You, you want to lose um, 20 pounds and you want to, you want to have a, you know, like a tight stomach and you want to, you know, small waist, you want whatever, whatever you want. You want to be able to do a pull up, right. You want to be able to do a push up, right. What are the steps that you're taking to get there? Right. And then if their response isn't, oh, I'm doing this, this, and this, then we need to get to this, this, and this, you know what I'm saying? That's crazy. You said that to me the, the first day that I met you at CrossFit, I, think I was coming to watch one of the open workouts and you were talking to me and I at that point I was like gung-ho about maybe being a bodybuilder and doing a bikini competition which now I laugh at because I could never I that's just not even something that was aligned with who I was and I had no idea it was kind of just an I kind of a thought that everyone else at the gym I was going to at the time was doing so it just made sense for me to want to do it and when I met you, you would ask me, oh, what are you doing for that? When do you, like, w what steps have you put into place for that? And at that point, I kind of realized, you know, I had hired a coach. But other than that, there were r no real steps. There was no real process to really get to the the goal I thought was my goal. But it really wasn't. It was just the the population I was surrounding myself with. And then only a few months later did I join CrossFit and my goal in life completely changed. It's just working hard and showing up. And um, I think it's crazy that even now, over a year later, that you're saying that exact same thing. And that's what you said to me the very first day. So it, it's it's totally true what you just said. And um, it's crazy that that truly is you. How 
how do you want people to what do you want people to know about you that they don't already that what you see is what you get and that i'm not i don't have any intention of really hiding who i am i know when to turn the serious on and the and the goofy off and stuff but ultimately if you walk in the gym and i'm coaching that's exactly who i am i've got no i have no reason to hide who i am lie about anything Because through life, like I've learned that not being yourself, like I said before in the beginning, like that third one, I wish I could tell myself, you know, back in 10th grade, um, is people actually do accept you for who you are. And if they don't, then they're just not meant to be in your life. And I found that that out the hard way. um, And I've, you know, had a really pleasant and enjoyable time finding that out the easy way. Because once you can't hold that facade up like if I was faking who I was all the time and I was had a totally different personality like big macho douchebag whatever like the exact opposite I am and that one day if I ever slip up and and was who I was then my whole credibility anywhere is gone because then it's like whoa, whoa, whoa like who really are you you know what I'm saying instead of coming from day one like yeah I'm exactly who I am like I'm I'm a big goofy dude who loves dancing and music and a great time, but also is one of the most competitive individuals you'll ever meet in your life. It's nuts because in that process of figuring that out, people fall off your your friend group when you're figuring that out. Like for, for people that don't necessarily like, and I'm I'm the same way. It's your circle gets smaller as you start to realize who who you truly are and how you present that to the public. And for you, it's it's just what you see is what you get. And that should be kind of the baseline for all of us is just accepting one another. And it's easier said than done, but it's your circles get smaller and that's normal because honestly, would you rather have a thousand friends that you're not really sure about and don't know you, or would you rather have two, two close ass friends that are everything? Yeah. And that are going to hold you down and, and, and tell you when you're right and when you're wrong. Like, that's the biggest thing, too, is you don't want to surround yourself with yes men. Like, um, like Ant, the, the owner of the gym, he's the, his, one of his, his biggest sayings and, like, one of the first times we ever had a conversation, because I met him because of football um, my senior year of college. And one of the first conversations we ever had, he was like, you're the average of the five people that you hang out with. And, like, that. Like, I'll never forget that because then after we talked about that, I really started looking at the five people I hang out the most with. <clears throat> and I started to look at myself <clears throat> and look at them and, and and really see like, wow, like that's really true. Like, I really do take qualities from those five people. And that's, you know, like who I am as an individual now. And my circle back then does not look the same as it does right now. Like there's, there's still people from that circle that are still in my life now, you know, and if they haven't gotten better or elevated themselves in some way, then they're not, they're not a part of the the group anymore, you know? And, and luckily through football, like I've gotten a lot of great friends that I consider brothers that if I ever needed anything, I know I could pick the phone up for. And, and if they ever need anything, they know they could call me. And a couple of the friends that like I grew up with those guys and they're, they're all grinders. And that, that helps because I see them growing and I see them doing the right things and stuff and not 
you know, blow of money that they get on chains and jewelry and stuff. They're, they're putting it into, into stocks. They're putting it into podcasts. Like I've got like the, the whole month, this whole Corona shit, right. Has like exploded with podcasts. And I'm so happy that like you, <clears throat> my boy, Lawrence, um, these two girls I know from college, John and Jolene, they made one, my boy, Rich, he's got his whole podcast, uh, the Loft podcast, like these, like, they've all exploded and they're doing big things, you know, and then my boy Juwan and Jason are out in California and they're doing music. And it's like, it's like, this stuff is huge. And I think, I think Corona really brought out who people really are because when things got really tough and people couldn't leave their house, people couldn't do their normal life. Like it was really like, Oh, who's really prepared for this. And who's really not like, who's going to get off the couch and really do some shit or who's going to let their environment affect them and cut them completely off, you know? And I'm really happy and proud to say that my friend group and the people I consider close, I consider close to me are the people in that first group who got off their ass and are really doing some shit. Yeah. And that says a ton. Like I can't, even echo what you just said because you you pretty much summed it up perfectly and as far as shameless plugs go we'll absolutely drop all of the links to all of the podcasts and all of the music that you just mentioned so that anyone listening to this can go check it out because why not support the rest of your friend group that is getting our asses off the couch and making things happen during a time where it's easy to be like, oh, well, excuse, insert excuse here, insert excuse here. Like the time is now. Things happen. You could wake up tomorrow and your life is totally different. And believe it or not, today is the anniversary of when everything shut down last year. And like you got to learn from it. And if you're still doing the same thing that you that you were doing in the first two weeks of the shutdown last year, change it up because you're the train's leaving and you're not on it. And, and that's just how life is going to go. But this was an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today. And I hope, I hope that I was the first friend to have you on the podcast because this is very important to me. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for this. Yeah, absolutely. And any other shameless plugs that you want to throw in before we leave? Um... My Instagram is at Nick Woodman, N-I-C-K-W-O-O-D-M-A-N 22. There you have it, everybody. Nick Woodman, follow him on Instagram. He also is a model for Knife Hand Nutrition. Go check it out. Buy their food. Do whatever you have to do, but this is the person to be following. This is the person to be seeing how their life goes, and maybe Nick will be your mentor one day because uh, you'd be quite lucky if he was. But Thanks again, Nick, and tune in next week for episode number four of Katie's Journey.